I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here, and you know here at Life Outreach International, we do a lot of work around the world, um, you know, feeding hungry children, uh, providing clean water, fighting sex trafficking. There are even more difficult places to work than those, which are some hard places. Uh, and there is an organization that for decades now has been uh, doing a lot of work in some very difficult places for Christians uh, uh, and really raising awareness. And that's what I want to do today. We have uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who are genuinely being persecuted. Their lives are at risk. Their livelihoods uh, are at risk or have been taken. Many of them are underground. Uh, And Voice of the Martyrs has been a fabulous organization to keep those people at the forefront of our prayers. Uh, In fact, they have a 2023 prayer guide guide that we will discuss and tell you how you can get if you want to pray for them, start praying for them today. But I'm uh, excited to have Todd Nettleton back on Life Today Live. He is the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio and has just returned from several places where he has seen some things that will both break your heart and hopefully call you to prayer, call you to action. So I invite you to be a part of the conversation. If you're watching us live, uh, as always, hit share. People need to know about this. This is something that, you know, we can't rely on, you know, typical media to necessarily cover. And so we need to raise the awareness ourselves and educate ourselves, pray and act. Todd, great to have you back on Life Today Live. Thanks so much. It is great to be with you. Uh, before we get into some of the details and the things that you've seen, um, hit that uh, the prayer guide real quick, just so people know what it is uh, and they know that they can get it at any time here. Well, the prayer guide is a part of Voice of the Martyrs ministry to American Christians. Uh, it tells about the countries where Christians are persecuted and so some basic information. Hey, who are the persecutors? You know, what, what motivates them? Are they communists? Are they radical Muslims? Are they radical Hindus? Why are they persecuting Christians? What is it like to be a Christian in that country? Uh, how hard is it to get a Bible if you live in that country? Some kind of basic information. And our goal is, hey, we will send you this guide. It's free. You come to our website. You can have a copy for free and put it beside your Bible, put it in your prayer closet, and throughout the year, pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering in these countries. And, you know, I always remind people, the first thing persecuted Christians ask us to do is to pray for them. And so the 2023 prayer guide is a tool to help you answer their request, to help you to be able to pray knowledgeably, specifically for real needs of our persecuted brothers and sisters, The interesting thing, as we go through this process, every fall we start talking about, okay, we're coming up to the new prayer guide. What do we need to do as far as the countries? Is is there any countries we could take out of the prayer guide and say, Mm -hmm. hey, Christians there aren't being persecuted anymore? Unfortunately for 2023, none of those. Are there countries we need to add where persecution is now not just sort of a weird occurrence that happens every once in a while, it's a regular part of following Christ for 2023, we added four countries, all of them on the continent of Africa. And really, 
What we're seeing in Africa is the rise of radical Islam, the rise of violent radical Islam. And we see that in the addition of Mozambique, uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo and Niger. The other country we added was Benin. And Benin, it's not typically radical Islam. It's it's more spirit worship, kind of animism, but uh, the animists know the power of God's word. They know the power of Christians. In fact, just earlier this year, a church was burned down uh, because the, the the witch doctor basically came and said, hey, we're going to have a festival to the spirits and we want you to cancel your service because we're having our festival. The Christians said, nope, we're not going to cancel our service. Well, you know, it's, it's our day to worship too. They opponents were so angry and they understood that the Christians worshiping affected the spirits. It made the spirits mad. Uh, and so they came and burned down this church in order to stop them from worshiping during that festival. So that's what we see in Benin. But in the other cases, it's the rise of radical Islam that is really making persecution become a regular part of life for our brothers and sisters in Africa. You know, that's tough. So Go get the, the, the prayer guide, VON.org. Uh, scroll down a little bit. You can get that prayer guide. Um, Benin's in Western Africa, is that right? It is in Western Africa, yeah. yeah. And Mozambique, which is sub-Saharan, over right across from Madagascar, is a country where we're working actively right now. And we've we've had to deal with a lot of that, too, because the the radical uh, Muslims in the north, are they're killing people. Uh, and so there's been a lot of there've been a lot of displaced people as a result of that. They hadn't been able to work the crops, or uh, there's just not enough food in places. And so you know, uh, I'm I'm glad to be on the same team as you guys, where we're you know out there doing something to to help the people who are suffering because of the persecution. Uh, and yeah. we help we help everyone. We don't ask them. We don't we don't check their you know religious card at the door. We give anybody who's hungry food. Uh, so it's it's tough. I appreciate you guys spotlighting that. Of course, the Congo has always been a very difficult place. Um, yeah, a lot going on. The there. the level of violence in northern Mozambique is really remarkable, and I think it's something. It's it's kind of under the radar of the world's media, but you have a, a radical Islamic group that has pledged allegiance to ISIS. They literally will go into a village and gather everyone from the village together in the center of the village and start asking, are you a Muslim or a Christian? Are you a Muslim or a Christian? The Christians are killed. Many of them are beheaded. Uh, even though if, if you say you're a Muslim, they say, okay, quote some verses from the Quran. We want to see if you're a real Muslim. And so, you know, the, like I say, the, the level of violence is just kind of off the charts in that part of the world. Yeah. But it's not something we see on it's it's not something people are hearing about. And as you mentioned, hundreds of thousands of people displaced yeah. uh, in displaced person camps, fleeing further south in Mozambique, hundreds of thousands of people, and many of them are Christians who have fled this violence. Yeah, it's it's truly awful. It's barbaric. Uh, and and I do believe we need to pray. I do believe it does affect the spirits that are driving these people. And I also think we need to do something, you know, uh, and there are a lot of organizations, good Christian organizations that are, are helping people in these places. And so, I, you know, if anybody watching that thinks I want to do something, just find a good Christian organization that's working in that area uh, and support them. When you get on the ground, you find real quickly that a lot of these organizations are all working together anyway, you know, and so we work with Catholic organizations. We've worked with World Vision in, in different parts of the world, um, Franklin Graham's organization, you know, so it, it just, my point is just, just 
do something to help somebody. Now, I want to transition a little bit, Todd, because you just got back for some places where they may not be beheading them like they are in, in Mozambique, uh, but it's very, very difficult to be a Christian in other parts of the world. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen. Well, I had the chance to go to Southeast Asia, and we had a, a couple different sort of objectives on the trip. One of our meetings was with uh, the congregation of a church that's been kind of dubbed the Mayflower Church. And uh, this is a church that voted as a congregation in communist China to leave. All of them together, they said, you know what? There's not a future for our church here in China. There's not a future where we can raise our children under godly biblical principles. We're going to find a different place to live. And so in 2019, they left. They went first to South Korea. They were rejected for religious refugee status there. They have now gone to another country in Southeast Asia, and they're working through the United Nations to try to get UN refugee status. Uh, ultimately, they hope to be resettled here in the United States. In fact, there's a group of churches in Tyler, Texas, that are ready to welcome them if they can make it to the United States. Oh, wow. uh, but it was very fascinating. This is this is something totally different than any conversation I've had in, in my 25 years here at VOM to have an entire church congregation decide to leave together. Now, you know, there's one or two Christians leave together. A, a pastor will say, hey, I know I'm going to be arrested. I got to leave. But to have an entire congregation have that conversation and say, okay, there's not a future here for us. And it was interesting as I talked to the pastor, Pastor Pan, this conversation started in 2018 when he had lunch with Pastor Wang Yi. Pastor Wang Yi right now is serving nine years in prison in China. Mm -hmm. He was the leader of an unregistered church there. And, and Pastor Pan said that he had lunch with Pastor Wang Yi and Wang Yi looked across the table and he said, Pastor Pan, are you prepared to be arrested? And Pastor Pan said, I, no, I don't <laughs> want to be arrested. I, I'm not prepared. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Wang Yi predicted his own arrest, which happened later in 2018. And Pastor Pan, after he went back to his city, he began to have regular contact with the police. They were coming and questioning him. They were inviting him to come to the police station. Yeah. They were telling him to close down his church. And so out of this conversation with Wang Yi, out of the pressure that was increasing against his church, they gathered as a congregation and just talked through, hey, should we stay? Should we go? They voted to leave. And it was a very fascinating conversation to hear, again, this very unique situation for an entire church to pack up and leave together. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, you, I can't blame them. Uh, and I, you kind of wonder what God's doing because some, obviously, most stay, and God calls them to stay. For them to, to leave, uh, may, maybe uh, to get the word out, maybe help get the word out, because I don't think the average American, at least, even in the church, understands how bad it is in China right now. Uh, you know, I'm, you, you probably know sort of the history of uh, Xi Jinping, who's the, whatever they call him, the president, chairman of, of the Communist Party, um, the head prime minister. He holds all these office titles. I can't keep up with them all. But when he started, he was the governor of, of a province, uh, Fujian province, I believe. And he was known there for his crackdowns on Christians. And so it was a regional problem early on. And since his rise to power, we... we I don't know that Life Outreach is able to do much, if anything, there anymore. And we used to go, you know, quite a bit uh, in helping the orphanages there. It's really 
it's really gotten bad in China. It, it really has. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Xi Jinping's past. I really think he sees that as a part of his recipe for success. He does. You know, yeah. I, I cracked down against the church in my province and look, I got promoted. Now I'm the leader of the whole country. Exactly. So, of course, I'm going to continue what I did that was so successful for me. And and he has absolutely done that in his time in power. They have tightened the controls over unregistered churches. They've tightened controls over even online religious activity. They've tightened controls on distribution of Bibles. They are actually retranslating the Bible right now. They're in a project to retranslate the Bible to bring out the Chinese and Confucian and socialist characteristics of it. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you don't like that Bible, we'll, we'll make a new one that the communists like better. All of those projects are happening on Xi Jinping's watch. And last fall, he was essentially given a lifetime contract to be the leader of China. Uh, his term limits were canceled. He's allowed to stay in office oh. as long as he wants. And so Christians in China, they know this is this is not going away anytime soon. And I think that's part of why the Mayflower Church made that decision is, hey, this is not going away. It's only going to get worse. And a big thing for them, a big factor was the education of their children. We don't want to send our children every day to the Communist Party school and have the Communist Party indoctrinate them all day long. We want to raise them up in godly biblical principles. And there's not a way to do that. There's not a way to do that in Communist China. And so that was a big factor in these parents. Many of them have young children. These parents saying, hey, we've got to go someplace else so that we can raise our children to follow Christ. Yeah, I mean, that that is such a tough deal. I tell them not to go to California, where they should come to Texas. <laughs> you talk about rewriting a socialist Bible. Don't give them any ideas out at Stanford. Um, but no, I mean, all seriousness, it's it's really it's really hard for Christians in a lot of places. And I think for all of our bluster about you know Russia right now, I, I still think China is a threat. And I think you see it when they start to threaten the church first. Uh, that's not where they generally stop. That that's oftentimes where they start, and and, and they've been very successful in in uh, cracking down on Christianity in order to get their ideology uh, in place, and the, and the indoctrination of children, all that kind of stuff, the propaganda that's coming out of there, uh, the deception. It's all a bad, bad pattern that we've seen throughout history, and we should know where it's headed if if something doesn't happen. Again, the call to prayer. Uh, you visited a few other places. Um, what else are you seeing out there? You know, one of the interesting things we got to do was sit down with pastors from Laos. From It's a communist country, the country of Laos. And there are a couple of very interesting things about these conversations. Almost every single one of these pastors had some kind of a power encounter with Christ that led them to faith. Mm. Uh, one of the pastors was, uh, I would say, oppressed by spirits. He said every time he would lay down to sleep, he would have horrible nightmares, and he would have visions of, of horrible things happening in his room. Mm. And he said after he heard about Jesus, he prayed one night, Jesus, if you're real, help me to sleep. He slept through the night completely peacefully, woke up the next morning and said, Jesus is the one who has power. I'm going to follow him. And he has been following Jesus ever since. <laughs> uh, another pastor shared the story of being healed from a, a chronic sickness. 
Jesus healed him. He's the one who has the power. I'm going to follow him. And uh, their culture, they, most of the people there would say that they're Buddhist, uh, but they typically worship kind of the spirits, the spirits of their ancestors, the spirits of the village, the spirits of the mountains, the, the water, the river. And so when Jesus shows that he's more powerful than the spirits they've been worshiping, they want to follow him. He, he sells himself by yeah. saying, hey, I know you've been praying to the rocks, but I'm more powerful than the rocks. I'm more powerful than your ancestors. And the interesting thing is once they see that power and make that decision to follow Jesus, they can't be knocked off course. You know, it's like, hey, you can burn down my house, but I saw how powerful Jesus is. I'm going to follow him. Yeah. You can beat me up. You can kick me out of the village, but I saw how powerful Jesus is. I'm going to keep following him. So that was one of the things that came out of these conversations. The other thing that I found very, very interesting, every village in Laos has a, a village leader, a, kind of the big man of the village. And that person sets the tone for persecution in that village. Hmm. If he is opposed to the gospel, there will be persecution. There's a hundred percent likelihood there will be persecution in that village. But if the village leader maybe his wife came to faith or maybe his daughter came to faith and he has seen the gospel in a positive light. If he's okay with Christianity, there won't be persecution in that village. It, it is, he is absolutely the gatekeeper to decide whether Christians are welcome or whether they are persecuted. And I asked one of the pastors, I said, so are you, are you actively evangelizing village leaders because they, they hold so much authority and so much power? He said, absolutely. He said, every year we have a Christmas service in, in the villages. We invite that village leader. We give them a place of honor. We give them a present. We want to make sure that they understand we're not trying to take over the government. We're not trying to take over the country. We're simply trying to worship the Lord and share Jesus with people. And it is making a difference. And um, so I would encourage people as you're praying for the country of Laos, pray for more village leaders to come to know Jesus in a personal way, because they literally hold the key to whether our Christian brothers and sisters are persecuted or not in their village. You know, and I love the contrast of those two situations, because we look at, at China and we say, okay, strong man, oppressive government, uh, people fleeing or going underground, being persecuted for their faith. And then you look over here and you see God going into a village and changing someone one-on-one. -on -one. And the thing is, he can do that anywhere. And I know you, you've heard all the stories in the some of the hardest, most rigid Muslim countries where Isa, in their language, and in, in, in the Quran, would come to them in dreams, and they get converted without ever hearing a sermon or anything. I mean, you, this is where what you guys call for, which is prayer, has an impact that I think we underestimate routinely because you just you just don't know what can happen when that one leader uh one family uh village whatever comes to christ because of the spiritual realm which we don't fully understand but we know there's promised power in prayer i mean I, I bet you just I, you you probably have a lifetime of stories seeing that kind of thing. <laughs> well, I, I, I let me draw an analogy because I had a guest on Voice of the Martyrs Radio earlier this year who compared prayer to mortar fire. And if I can make that analogy <laughs> a little bit, 
mortar fire is is what you send out to soften up the enemy before you advance you know you you fire all the mortars you try to get everyone to back off soften it up and then that's when you can really advance and he asked for prayer as as american christians let's pray let's be that mortar fire that is softening up the ground softening up the enemy so that the gospel can advance in these really difficult places around the world and when i heard that analogy i thought you know i I don't love war analogies necessarily uh, but it is so true our prayers really do make a difference for god to be able to work and for the gospel to be able to advance in these places and so i would just encourage people as you think about praying yes we're doing something that's really important we're softening up the ground for the gospel. Yeah, I, I, I'm good with that analogy. Spiritual mortar fire. But knowing that we don't there wrestle against flesh and blood, which, yeah, again, tough when you're, when you're seeing it, people doing the persecution to go, okay, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood because it sure feels like it right now. But the more powerful thing is, is the spiritual. Uh, and whew, there's a lot that can be done. I'm, I'm curious about Voice of the Martyrs, and forgive my ignorance here, but what— what all can people do to support you guys that will, what does it look like on the other end, on the recipients end? Well, in many places we are providing Bibles. That's that's one of our sort of main focuses. Hey, let's get God's word into the hands of Christians. That strengthens them to face persecution. It also gives them a tool to share the gospel with their neighbor. The other thing that we're doing is persecution response. So I think of Mozambique, some of these Christians that have been displaced, we are helping them with tarps to sleep under and food to eat. And one of the things that they're asking for, interestingly, is audio Bibles. And it's like, well, hey, you know, you've been displaced from your village. You don't have a place to sleep. Why are you asking for an audio Bible? They are using these, obviously, to strengthen their own faith because they can listen, but also to share. There are hundreds of thousands of displaced people. Not all of them are Christian. Some of them are Muslims, but they are displaced. They don't have anything to do all day long. So if you say, hey, neighbor, look, I've got this audio player. Why don't you come over and listen with me? They will come. They will sit down. They will listen as well. So that's an outreach tool. So Bibles, persecution response. The other thing is what we call frontline ministry. And I honestly, sometimes I joke about pre-persecuted Christians. These are people who are doing gospel work in hostile and restricted nations. Maybe they've been arrested at some point. Maybe they haven't yet, but they are likely to be at some point. And we provide them with tools and training and encouragement to help further their ministry, to help reach more people in that country with the gospel. And we know as we do that, there are going to be more persecuted Christians. Our founder, Richard Wormbrand, uh, once in a in a church service said, hey, if you're not comfortable with having more martyrs, please don't give the voice of the martyrs any money because we're going to go and share the gospel and there are going to be more martyrs. Mm-hmm. We understand that. We understand that's a part of our work. And so that is what we do with frontline workers is, is prepare them and encourage them to carry the gospel in their context, in their culture. And then The fourth part of our ministry is our ministry here in America. We talked about the Global Prayer Guide. Uh, I do Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We tell these stories to help encourage American Christians in their own faith, as well as to help them pray effectively for brothers and sisters around the world. Okay, I want to ask you about some of the domestic stuff, but uh, real quick, if if you're interested in helping getting Bibles into people's hands, helping with the frontline stuff, go to vom.org, you know, support them. Well, it's a great organization and a great way to really get into some very difficult places with the Word of God 
and with the love of God uh, and, and helping meet people's needs. So I fully endorse any support that you'd want to throw their way. You mentioned some of the domestic stuff. I'm curious about your thoughts because, you know, we get a little bit of a martyr syndrome here in the U.S. when churches are locked down, which I completely oppose locking down churches, you know, uh, from a governmental standpoint, telling us we can't come to worship. And there are some really bad things going on. Pro-lifers getting arrested up in Canada. They seem to have completely lost their minds when it comes to religious liberty, which we have come to expect here. What do you? What are your thoughts on some of the the craziness that seems to be going on, uh, or hostility, frankly, towards Christians? I just had a conversation actually on VM Radio with our president Cole Richards about this very topic huh. of oh hey we see this happening in American society. What do we do to get ready for that? What do we do to get our children ready for that? We have resources. We actually just released a group video study that will help with that. The thing I tell people, and I'm a football fan, so if if my team is going to play the Patriots on Sunday, we're going to spend the whole week watching film of teams who beat the Patriots last Sunday <laughs> right. or the Sunday before that. Right. So if my team is going to be persecuted for our faith in Jesus Christ, I want to know the stories of people who have already been persecuted and won the victory and were victorious in the midst of that persecution. Mm. That's why the Wish the Martyrs magazine, that's why VOM Radio, that's why the resources that we do and, and we encourage people, know the stories of Christians who have already been persecuted and joyfully endured and joyfully were victorious in the midst of that. That's part of how we prepare ourselves for the day when persecution comes to us. And, and I you know, I agree with you. I think as we look at our culture, as we look at some of the court decisions that have happened in the past few years, it's almost impossible to not think that the winds are blowing against mm. gospel witness, against biblical truth. Uh, and so we have an obligation to be ready. You know, Jesus said, count the cost. He said, take up your cross. We haven't really had to do that in American culture over the last 200 years our day may be coming. So let's learn from brothers and sisters who have already taken up their cross to strengthen us and to prepare us. And for me, I'm very passionate about preparing our children and our grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Let's get them ready to stand because we do see what's coming. Yeah, I don't want to prepare. I want to stop it, you know, to be honest. I don't want my kids to have to suffer. I don't want my grandkids to have to suffer. And, you know, it's interesting to, to look where there is persecution currently going on and to say okay here's how a village changed well it was through the power of jesus christ um to to paraphrase c.s lewis the most practical political act any of us can engage in is witnessing to a neighbor and so honestly i i think sometimes we get a little comfortable in our churches we need to get beyond the walls that in effect would prevent the type of persecution we see overseas uh, would knock down a lot of the stuff that we're seeing here in our own country. Uh, and, and so the, the, the idea of evangelism, everyday evangelism, all of us being evangelists, meeting the needs of those in need around us with the compassion of Christ to demonstrate the love of Christ to them, to win them over. These are all things that we can't, we can't just put on to other ministries. So we can't say, well, the voice of the martyrs are doing it or life today's out there preaching the gospel. We, we all have to really be engaged or we will be in trouble um, at some point in the future. I, I, I don't, I, I don't predict that. I don't want that. Uh, uh, I really, I want to work against it now before it gets there. 
uh, because we've enjoyed a great run of religious freedom in our country uh, for the most part. Um, and I think we need to be actively engaged in keeping the ground soft for Christ. Yeah, I so agree. And, and I think, you know, I think of our brothers and sisters, uh, oftentimes our American witnessing methodology is, hey, I'm going to bring you to my church and then my pastor is going to witness to you because he's a professional. Right. Whereas our brothers and sisters in China, you know, they don't know if their pastor is going to be out of jail on Sunday. They, they can't wait for Sunday to take you to church to hear their pastor. So they witness, they share the gospel themselves. We need to get a little bit more of that methodology of, hey, I'm I'm a witness for Christ. I need to be the one to share the gospel. It's not just the sort of paid professionals that that uh, man a pulpit every Sunday. It's all of us who are Christ's followers who are to be witnesses for him. And, you know, if you go back to the biblical Greek, that word witness is the word martyr. It's martis. Mm. Uh, and so we are all called literally to be martyrs, to be witnesses for Christ. Great reminder. Todd, I appreciate it. Is there anything we didn't hit that you want to cover real quick? I appreciate your time today. I think we've hit it. I want people to get the Global Prayer Guide, and I'd love to have them listen to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can check that out at vom.org. Great materials. Uh, they've also got uh, some Bible study, group study things around a film called Sabina. Really good film, actually. I met the filmmakers uh, at an NRB a couple years ago. Uh, entertaining film, but also uh insightful uh, and they've got some great resources there are a lot of good things at vom they're really a great strong organization uh brothers in christ sisters in christ and so i, I recommend being uh, in tune with what they've got so check them out todd again i appreciate you the work that you do keep it up brother and uh we'll keep fighting on the uh, on the front lines uh around the world thanks so much for having me it's been great to talk with you Appreciate all you guys out there watching. Be sure to hit share. This, I think, is something we should uh, raise awareness on, like I said at the beginning. So hit that share. Hit the like, subscribe, follow if you haven't done that. And we'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.